Greetings, creeps, and welcome to Horror Girl Problems, the podcast slash videocast. Thanks for listening, Mom. Trick or treat? I've got more treats in store for you. Today we have writer, producer, director of the Mortuary Collection, Ryan Spindle. I want to say Spindle. It could be Spindel. Spindel. Spindele. We're going to go with Ryan Spindle. I should have confirmed that, yeah? Absolutely one of my favorite, favorite films I've seen this year. This movie is going to for sure be a staple annual watch for me. It feels like fall. I wrote a big old love letter to it over on my blog, so I will try to cut my gushing short here. Every corpse tells a story. It is our task to listen. So these are all stories about how people died. Some tales even I find too unsettling to recount. She's dead! You gotta get that body out of your apartment. Keep your doors locked tonight. Keep an eye out for crazies. Oh, monsters! That's pretty cool. Yes, it is, isn't it? So Ryan is joining us for our virtual half-ass Halloween party. Let's get to it. Hello. 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 Oh, man, you really half-assed it. I love it so much. (laughs) I was going for a where's the boy vibe. No no spoilers, but I was... uh... (laughs) It's funny because I... So I moved recently, and I have more costumes than any adult man should own. (laughs) But everything was in boxes, so, like, before this, I was, like just digging through and I could only find like a hat to one thing or like a piece of a costume. (laughs) And so I threw this together, but check it out. I do have a clutch piece. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Groovy, it's very groovy. Groovy, thank you very much. And that's a very nice boomstick you have there as well. Well, yeah, thanks. Look, I, it's got, I got the harness. I got, oh, I got sort of a... you out. <laughs> sort of one. Have you seen this? I figured out how to do this on YouTube. It's an orange juice container. Wait, hold on. Back it up. You made this? Yeah. What the shit? No, I have not seen it. Okay, please, let's show it off. Oh, let's see. So look, it's just, a, it's just a bike chain. Okay. And a piece of wood. And then this is an orange juice container. Um, see the handle? Yes. Here. And then you can just like, I just put like a little uh, rod in there to hold it. Oh, that is so cool. (laughs) I definitely want one of those. I'll try my hand at constructing it. I don't know how well that's going to go. I'll just make you one and send it. It only took me like three weeks. Oh, perfect. Easy, easy peasy. I'm sure you've got nothing else to do right now. It's fine. No, I'm bored. I'm bored. (laughs) Okay, I'll take three then. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Mortuary Collection, like, we've talked briefly about it. Mm-hmm. I cannot say enough good things about this, honestly. Like, I feel like it's it checks all of my boxes. It was, like, the perfect blend of dark humor, gore, a little bit of, like, the Lovecraft creature elements in there. Yeah, and it's yeah. Just, it just feels like fall, also. Like, it's hot as balls outside, and I'm watching it, and I put it on, and I just felt like I was 12 years old, and it was just autumn, you know? That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That's that's exactly the intention of it. Well, nailed it. 
<laughs> I mean, to quote the movie itself, there was romance, suspense, horror, social commentary. It was everything the story should be and more. And I'm not being glib. I'm being 100% genuine when I say that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so you said your, what were your biggest influences on this? Oh, man. I mean, that's the thing about this movie that's really cool and slash scary is that um, you know, I think that there's this natural inclination when you're a filmmaker and you're making your first movie, you kind of want to do everything you love. Mm-hmm. It's, you, you're kind of like, oh, let me just put everything I love into it. And what sort of made this one kind of special is that because it was sort of this uh, potpourri of different horror subgenres, I really was able to put any, anything I could possibly think of, I was able to sort of cram into this movie. So like, on the bright side, I got to like really play and kind of like, you know, work with prosthetic monster effects and sort of slasher tropes and crazy camera and crazy production design um, and all of this fun stuff. But on the, you know, the flip side of that is then you actually have to execute these insane ideas <laughs> with no money. So you're kind of like, like the, I, I've made a lot of shorts before this. And so I'm really used to like, oh, creative problem solving. We, we love, we love it when we have like a challenge that we can't, like we can't possibly afford, but let's find a clever way to do it. Right. And this movie was that, but like times a hundred. So by the time we got to like challenge 35, we were like, oh shit, like this is a lot of challenges we set for ourselves. <laughs> so did you guys crowdfund this? Sort of, sort okay. of. We did a, um, so I wrote the movie first as a feature. And then uh, I kind of did the rounds uh, in L.A. And it was like it was what I knew it was going to be before I wrote it, which is that people just are scared. Can I swear on this? Oh, yes. Hell yes. Oh, great. OK, great. Great. <laughs> I like how you said hell. Oh, heck yes. I know. I should have said, oh, heck yes, you can. By golly. It's explicit. Oh. Here. <laughs> um. It's probably good I don't slip into into foul language because then I'm like I'm like a sailor. I'll, I'll keep it clean for for my parents. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I, I apologize <laughs> to your parents then because I just swear like a sailor all the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. They do too. It's cool. Okay. Um. But yeah. So I yeah I kind of did the rounds with it and people really liked the script but they're like yeah this is this is uh this is not a, a project that we're gonna do and I think what I found out which actually does kind of make some sense although it pisses me off is that it's not that the the, the people making the decisions. Um, are scared of them. It's the marketing departments for the studios don't know how to sell them. And and my whole thought process is always like, well, we'll just find like everything. We'll find a creative way to do it. We'll do it differently. Right. Um, but like, you don't really have a choice when you're just trying to sell something to to a studio. They kind of say thumbs up, thumbs down, and it's it's very it's very Hunger Games, and you don't really have a choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I I really was sort of passionate about the script, and because I was getting good response, I was like, well, if I can make a piece of it and show people what it's going to be. Maybe they'll get excited about it. And so um, we kind of looked at the stories, me and my producing partner, uh, there's two guys, Ben Hethcote and Justin Ross. And we basically said, well, this is the one story that's the most contained, has the least amount of actors and something that we can sort of realistically pull off. And so then we did a Kickstarter and we raised some money and we made uh, The Babysitter Murders, which is the fourth short in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, as a proof of concept. And so, and that in itself was a whole process because we did this like, Kickstarter, which was like, we were aiming for way more money than we probably should have been. So we really tripled down on that. And we kind of did this like really stylistic video with animation. And then we made a documentary um, 
called We Come in Pieces, which is a, a short documentary about horror anthology movies. Nice. Um, and so we interviewed a bunch of horror filmmakers like Joe Dante and Michael Doherty and all of these like cool sort of horror people to talk about the format. So by the time we actually made The Babysitter Murders, we had made like four films, I think, just to get to the point of making the first segment. Um, yeah. And so then we, that, that from there, we just like, we took that short and the short sort of had some success. And we, we weren't able to get a studio to come on board still, but we did find uh, Allison Friedman. She was like working at a big studio company and she was like, my boss will never make this, but do you mind if I try to find some money on the side? And I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. And I, I honestly didn't think I'd ever hear from her again. And like maybe six or seven months later, she kind of called me out of the blue and she was like, I found a little bit of money. Do you want to make this film? And so that began sort of a two year process of kind of piecing together the rest of the movie. Amazing. Shout out to Allison for getting it done. I know. Bam. I know. She did it. She came through. <laughs> it's a smart woman right there for sure. She is. Like she that, is. It's just such a cool concept and so fun. Um, so Thank I'm you. really glad that it, it got made and it exists and looks the way that it does. Thank um, you. I mean, it's funny because it, it, it shouldn't exist. I mean, I feel like every step of the way, it's interesting now because I'm just now kind of coming out of the fog and sort of starting to see the movie for what it was. Right. But every step of the way, it was like, you can't make this movie. We, we, um, one of the first things we did once we had the sort of independent financing was we were like, all right, let's, let's meet with some line producers and sort of see if, like how this thing looks. And we met with four people and every single one of them were like, there's no fucking way you can make this movie for, for less than four times this amount of money you have. Oh my God. <laughs> and so we were like, we kind of regrouped and we're like, we've got a little tiny bit of money. It feels like the investor is going to get scared if we don't sort of do something. I was like, everyone's saying we can't do it. Let's just, we know how to make shorts. Let's take a little bit of this money and let's just start making it before we lose it. And so we basically, two weeks later, we were shooting in Los Angeles and we just started shooting the shorts in pieces and kind of slowly kind of using all of the tactics we'd done in the past to make shorts to build this thing sort of piece by piece. So it, it, at, at certain times we had like a decent sized crew and it kind of looked like a legit production, but then other times it was like, me and my producer in the woods with a fog machine, just shooting <laughs> shots just by ourselves. It was so much of that. It's it's insane. I think we shot the movie on ten different cameras, any camera we oh could possibly God. find. It was it was a wild process. I, I can't believe it exists, honestly. It's funny that you say that because anthology very much lends itself to it's okay if every story has a different look to it. But this mm -hmm. thing, I think one of my favorite things about this was that it was so cohesive throughout. Like it's taking place in a different time and space, but very much it's in this universe. Like right. the main story that weaves through and every short, it's within that same universe. And I think right. that was so cool. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I think the idea that I, it would be cool, or I think the intention was that people would walk away thinking that are, there are hundreds more of these stories yes. all existing with the same. So it's kind of like a world building thing. Cause mm -hmm. there was that inclination like, oh, let's go all the way slasher movie with the slasher segment. Let's go all the way Lovecraftian. And um, and that's exciting to me, too, because I'm like, oh, I get to play in all these different spaces. But right. I think at the end of the day, we're like, but this world is, is so much bigger. And if we can just sort of seed in these little hints throughout that, like there are other stories happening sort of in every nook and cranny, I think it'll have a more fulfilling feeling. Yes, it absolutely felt like that. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, another thing that kind of lent itself to that was the locations were amazing. So when you say that you guys are struggling with budget and stuff, it, that's wild to me because it just had such a cool look. The locations and set design were awesome. The costumes were awesome. So how Thank did you. that come about as far as like location? Like what did you guys use? 
Um, so we got really lucky in that um, when we shot the short, uh, we shot at this. Um, where are you located, by the way? L.A. Oh, you're in L.A. OK, yeah. cool. Have you ever been to Heritage Square? Yes. I used to okay, live up cool. the street from there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, awesome. So you know it well then. Yes. So so we shot um, with the short we did, we shot one exterior there, um, which was just like that one really cool, colorful house that's sort of okay. been in a bunch of things, I think. And while we were there, we kind of made friends with the, some of the people that worked there. And um, when it came to shooting, we were like, well, we need old timey, like sort of timeless, but very ornate. We needed like an ornate setting. We needed sort of a rundown setting. We needed sort of different types of exteriors because we had to build this whole fictional town from nothing. And we ended up sort of working with those people directly and they were really excited. They loved the short. And so they gave us a pretty good deal to kind of come in there and we just shot almost everything there. So every nook and cranny, it was like, oh, this is the doctor's office. This will be the exterior of this. This will be this. We kind of pieced it all together. Um, but it all, I also had like an amazing production design team that uh, that really sort of came together. And I think, you know, once we started making it, the quality was so great that we kind of couldn't turn back. Right. So we kind of backed ourselves into a bit of a corner yeah. with that. Um, but it, it, I think it was like, it was a real testament to the, the amount of talented people that came together to sort of make this thing happen. I, my background is production design and I used to sort of work as a designer for a long time. And I remember the production design department was always the, like, we always got shafted. We always got like the least amount of money, the least amount of time, the least amount of respect. And so I know when I went in to make this movie, I knew I wanted to do something that would really showcase sort of that side of my creative process. Right. And so I just said creative process, which felt, felt so gross to say. <laughs> now I'm just going to put that on loop. And that's yeah. Gonna, that's creative process, creative process, creative process. Creative process. <laughs> and then <laughs> this we're like, remix art. it. <laughs> Drop some beats behind it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, now it's starting to sound cool. Now okay. Cool. Never mind. Like take it. the beats like away. Take the beats away. <laughs> okay. 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 And I'm back. Um, but, but yeah, I, I did like, it's one of the nice things about being a producer on the, on the project, which was like, you know, being a producer also made my life hell every day <laughs> because I had like, everything was sort of leaning on the three, me and my two producer partner shoulders. But it did allow me in the sort of budgeting to say, look at the budget they laid out and say, no, 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 we don't need trailers. We're not casting actors that need trailers. Put that money into, into the uh, production design. Uh, oh, we don't need sort of this, put this. And we kind of like, we don't need this many days. We don't need this much camera equipment, like put it in production design. So I really shifted as much as I could into production design. That being said, the, the design team had nowhere near enough money to do what they pulled off. So, so they, they created a miracle, but I think it was like a combination of sort of just going down this road of having this like big idea. And then, like I said, mm. backing yourself into a corner and being like, well, we got to figure out a way to finish it somehow. Set the bar too high. You guys set the bar too high. We did set the bar too high. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that you, I, I think it shows that that's your focus and that that was important to you. And I think that like, that so makes up for a lack of budget because th this does not look like a low budget film to me, like in any Thank way, you. shape or form. And Thank oh you. God, the bathroom in that first short, I'm like obsessed with that bathroom. Gorgeous. Right. <laughs> right. And we, so we built that bathroom. Okay. That was like one of, we had two sets or three sets that we built, which is like my dream as a filmmaker is to get to the point where everything's built because right. I just love sets. Make it from I, scratch I, and this is the I world that I want you to see and that's it, bam, <laughs> Exactly, <scratch>. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's part of me being a control freak, but I want it to be exactly the way. And we actually modeled that bathroom off of the Shining bathroom. So that was like, we used a lot of the sort of similar aesthetics and the sort of symmetry of that get to create the bags. bathroom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was so cool. I, I, yeah, I love that stuff so much. And it was, again, I mean, it was like, 
this crazy, these crazy meetings with like Harrison, he was our, one of our set builders. He was our art director and he did all the construction. And it was always like, here's the set we need. And he would like work, work, work. And he'd be like, all right, it's going to cost us $25,000. We're like, we can't do that. Let's go back. And he'd go back and back and come back. And he'd be like, all right, I cut out every other two by three. And now it's like, we're, we're going to only go this high. And it's like this, and we, we would just whittle it down until it was like, somehow we have a set for $3,000. I don't know how, but we do. <laughs> and it was like, meanwhile, I'm just like sort of mis- making these big swings. And he's like behind the scenes, like cutting through the middle of the night sort of working his ass <laughs> off. It was, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> this is so fun. Um, another really cool thing about it is I feel like it's very ambiguous time-wise. Like a lot mm-hmm. of it feels vintage, like it's a throwback to like 50s vintage comics and like the coloring and the set design and the wardrobe mm-hmm. all lends itself to that, but it's mm-hmm. not explicitly a certain year. And I think that just, it lends itself to the world again. Like it's just like ambiguous kind of vintagey kind of feel to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I, It comes from... Uh just thinking about sort of short stories and, and the type of stories we wanted to tell and kind of imagining like campfire stories mm-hmm. or urban legends or sort of uh, the types of things that we would like tell each other as kids that didn't really have a time period. They were like our parents and our parents' parents could have been telling the same stories right. and, it, and it wouldn't make a difference. And so that was sort of like the in- inclination going into it. it was like, well, let's make this, let's get rid of modern technology. Let's get rid of all the things that are cool or hip or trending neon lights or, or, or synth music or whatever and let's sort of like lean into this like old-fashioned sensibility and then as it sort of developed we realized that you know these stories are all coming through Montgomery Dark and Montgomery Dark is clearly a man from another time himself and so it kind of gave us this further excuse to like really kind of play up the sort of eccentric eccentricities stumbling over that word eccentricities (laughs) of it imagining that he um that they're all coming through his mind and we even had like I even had these like really insane ideas early on where I was like, let's have the print on his shirt be like the wallpaper in the stories. Like, let's like take everything we see about him and like imbue them in. And my production designer was like, yeah, we are definitely not going to be able to do that. Like, okay. Okay. I really Understood. like that idea though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know how obvious it would be to like the viewer, but maybe I feel like just like nuances like that, maybe subconsciously you're like, it feels like him, like a part of him, even though I don't really yeah. know why. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> talked about the the mortuary too, like the mortuary and him being sort of one and the same. Right. Like the, like again, patterns in the wallpaper, elements in the mortuary, things he was wearing on his costume, like just his skin color, just like, like making the, the environment itself, like an outcropping of him, like him and the yes. mortuary are sort of one and the same. I would but say we did. As it goes on, it does feel like that still, though. Like they do oh, seem good. like an entity unto, yeah. like you know, like. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. It does still exude that vibe. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, good to know. I mean, we did do like, I I'm obsessed with sort of details that nobody will ever notice, mm-hmm. and so it does. I mean, the interesting thing about independent movies is that the first thing that goes are details, mm-hmm. because you just it's like why. You want to do what? You want to to pattern the wall? No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) But it was like, we still managed to like cram something in every frame that is sort of like a detail or sort of an element. Like um, one of the things in the movie is that um, I made this short a while ago called The Root of the Problem. And in in this movie, this girl's taking these like uh, calming tablets. And so that's P.Q. Finkelman's calming tablets. (laughs) And so P.Q. Finkelman became the brand for every single thing in the movie. So it's like the condoms, <laughs> the plan C, uh, the embalming fluid on the walls, 
Um, even this this hat, PQ Finkelman's is that, tools, hey, Finkelman's awesome. tools, is like this false brand, and it's like stuff that nobody cares about but me. But I'm super nerdy, so. I, but that stuff does make a difference, though. I really do. Like whether people consciously can look at that and be like, "Oh, hey, that's that. That's that." Like little Easter eggs, like that's fun. But mm-hmm. even I think it just you absorb it on a subconscious level. If you're not fully reading it, like it, you're. It's a world. You built a world, and this exists in this world. So and I, I agree. feel like that it, it does something. I mean, I'm a nerd for details as well. Clearly, I, so. <laughs> I I agree a hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing I talk about. Like there was a there's some story. You know, you you talk to people who work on sets, and they're like, "Oh, the director was such a pain in the ass." Like in the background, there was a lamp, and he kept saying, "Like slightly to the left, slightly to the left, like two more inches." And everyone in the crew was like, "Nobody cares about this fucking lamp. Let's shoot the shot." And I was like, "Yeah, but the thing is, is like that little tweak." improve that one image. And if you add 200 of those little tweaks, uh-huh. you've elevated the movie in ways that you can't see. Yeah, you can't see just objectively, but you understand and you feel it intuitively. Right. And I think that kind of stuff is like, I mean, it's dangerous for me because I can go down the rabbit hole. The, right. the, the time frame <laughs> of shooting is, is the only thing that keeps me uh, sort of corralled. Right. You would still be shooting this two years down the line. <laughs> You'd be on the first, oh, on God. The first one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You gave me a heart palpitation. You, you just did like a spit take with your car. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do more spit takes. I think people need to do spit takes. Well, I guess it's not a, it's not a good time, I guess. Take. Is it not? <laughs> it's not the best time, I guess. <laughs> you just got to wear the face shield and then it hits the right. face shield. Wear the mask, <clears throat> goggles, face shield. It's fine. It's cool. <laughs> right. That's right. That's Whoever's right. doing the spit take needs to be tested daily. Whatever. They're fine. It's good. It's true. And then you're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we're we're so, it's got to be the one spit take person. Like that's the spit take guy. And yeah. he goes around to all the sets. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. just in every yeah. movie ever. <laughs> You have your you have your COVID safety officer and you have your spit take guy yeah. and they work hand in hand to make sure everything is so copacetic. I'm gonna send in my resume to be the spit take guy. That's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? this is what I it's what I do. Here's my LinkedIn. Yeah. Spit takes. <laughs> we all gotta have a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, I found my niche finally. <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, the soundtrack was killer mm-hmm. on this. Were you Thanks. working with like friends, independent artists? Like, how did you find these musicians? I was. Um, so the Mondo boys are actually really good friends of mine. And um, I've done a few movies in the past. And I was like, they used to be in a band. They're an awesome band, just like just a band. I'd go to their shows. I love them. They got into sort of composing. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. And I, I didn't take them seriously at first because, you know, how it is. It's like, I'm a composer now. You're like, I bet you are. Um, <laughs> but they would do like I did this one movie called The Root of the Problem. and It's set in the 1950s. And uh, I called them up one day. and I'm like, hey, can you guys make a song for me that's like, sort of like a, a, a pop song, like um, Mr. Sandman, um, but I kind of need it like in the next three days. And they're like, so you want us to create one of the most, a version of one of the most popular songs ever in the next three days. And I was like, yeah, can you do that? And they were like, yes, we can. And they did, and it's so freaking cool. I love it so much. So after, and they'd done that for me a couple of times and I was like, all right, this is an opportunity to finally work with them. And so we sat down and we were like talking about like, you know, there's some elements of it that have sort of, you know, uh, actual like rock songs and sort of, uh, sort of a diegetic or is it non-diegetic, non-diegetic, no diegetic music. Diegetic. Um, <laughs> that's it. And, uh, and I was like, what if we do, what if you guys do every single piece of music in this movie? So you could do all the score, which will have sort of the classic orchestral stuff, but then let's make a diegetic song 
for every single segment. And then like, let's do a sequence in each segment where we focus on that song. So at the end of it, we can sort of release like an EP that's like, here's the five songs that are completely original songs from the movie. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up, I think, creating seven songs actually in total for the movie. Um, and they're all so awesome. And people keep reaching out to me. And they're like, "Where? Wh what, what band did that? How can I get that song? Yeah. I'm like, I guess we have to release something because that's the only place it exists. You guys definitely need to release the soundtrack and the score because like, I, I rewatched it this morning and I was like, the music is so fucking good. Like it's I want to, so like, who is this band? Because this is just music that I would just listen to like on the daily. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it, they're awesome. And the thing that was kind of tricky with it too was like, you know, for some of the music, like, because the thing is timeless, that became kind of posed a problem for us when it came to what kind of music we were going to sort of have, because we did the college segment. We're like, well, we need kind of rock and roll, but a lot of the look of our movie is kind of 40s, 50s. So how do we get rock? How do we fit rock and roll into that? And we ended up sort of listening to a lot of Nancy Sinatra and kind of doing these. And we did some business, some, uh, uh, oh man, who else do we listen to? David Bowie, old David Bowie. And then we, they sort of, I can't believe it. And they're performing too. They're like singing the songs. They're like playing oh, wow. all the instruments. It's, it's really, it's really, it's really wonderful. How did you ever doubt these guys? <laughs> I, I don't know. I it's don't because know. it's LA and everyone you meet is like, I'm a composer. I'm a, I'm a director. I'm a it's true. <laughs> it and it's, it's that weird thing too. When like, um, it's a, like a really good friend. Yes. Like that's it. how weird is that, that you, when a really good friend does something, you you're more skeptical than when a stranger right. tells you something. Exactly. hundred percent, which it's, is such an asshole thing, but it's like it's such an asshole it's, thing. It's a very common thing. Like if you have a friend who's like, Oh yeah, I do hair. And you're like, mm, yeah. Know? Yeah. Sure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess the fear is that you're going to, you, you'd work with them and they'd be bad at it. And you'd have to tell your friend like, right. This isn't working. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, like the weird politics of like, then how do you, no, thank you. Like, thank you for this time, but never again. Like, thank you. Right. How do you? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but the moral of this story is trust your freaking friends, support your friends' arts, and just true. Give, it, give it a go, you know? That's and if true. They, if they suck, you don't have to That's be friends true. with them anymore. It's fine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> friends are a dime a dozen, let's be honest. I, I mean, you know, I mean, more than I can count, so. <laughs> All right, you ready for these questions? Oh man, uh, yeah. These questions are, are um, they, they were trickier than I expected really? when I first read them. I was like, "That's easy." Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's All right, do let's it. Let's do it. All right. Who is your favorite final right. girl? Does it have to be a final girl from a slasher movie specifically? No. How it's open to interpretation. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then I'm gonna go with Paquita who's the final girl in Dead Alive, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive slash Brain Dead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so good. I have such, we're like extremely on the same like brand as far as the kind uh -huh. of car we like for sure. Like uh -huh. just from emailing back and forth, I was like, yeah, same cloth. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. that is one of my ultimate favorite movies and it's like so hard to find. So like when I try to like show people or get more people to watch it, it's like never streaming or anything. You have to like track down like a copy of it. <laughs> but it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's it's like, I mean, it's always battling in the top three of for my favorite films ever. Yes. And I did hear recently that uh, Peter Jackson is in the process of doing a uh, fully restored 4K uh, Blu-ray with like a shit ton of extras that he shot that never have seen the light of day. And That's I'm so cool. excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. Gonna nerd out real hard on that. 
<laughs> I know, I know. I went down to, I was in uh, New Zealand a couple of years ago and I ended up sort of finagling my way into meeting with Richard Taylor, who's um, Peter Jackson's uh, sort of partner, the guy who runs Weta mm-hmm. and who's done all of his movies with him. And I just like, I was like shaking like this. And I was like talking about, <laughs> I was like talking about, uh, and they call it brain dead, dead alive. And under the table, I was just like, he was like telling me, he's like, oh, we were still young. We were so young and we were eating ramen noodles. Me and my wife, we spent all day just making prosthetics. It was the best days of our lives. And I was just like, like vibrating, like mm-hmm, trying to play it cool. It was awesome. Cool, cool. I mean, it's whatever. It's cool. It's cool. I guess if that's what <laughs> And I went outside and vomited. Yeah, seriously. The gore in that is so much fun, though. Like, Uh, no matter how many times I've seen it, like, I watch that, and I'm just, like, screaming with glee, like, at all the disgusting crap, like, that's in that movie. I honestly don't think it can be topped. I don't know how, like, the amount of, like, I've I've watched that movie probably twice a year. I'm obsessed. Um, And, uh, it, people have tried, I just, it can't, I don't know. It's, like, it's so singular yes that like it cannot be copied it cannot be duplicated it cannot be beat it is just it is so awesome i i i wish peter jackson would do more of that stuff yeah please come back and do more horse please you're come too, back you're too good at it to not do anymore. no i know he's gonna do it i'm telling you it's gonna yes. happen that lawnmower scene though that's got to be one of the best kill scenes like ever in cinematic history so good so good <laughs> but there's there's it's like to to get into the like best scenes is like almost a fool's errand because they're all so good good. and like the crazy thing about that movie too is there's it's working on more than just a cartoon level like there's a lot of going there's a lot going on with the story and the sort of thematic elements and sort of how in the end his mother start pulls him back into the wound like there's so much great stuff that's just like it because it feels like an ec comic come to life it's easy to think it's like a cartoon but like he's working at this incredible level that I feel like you have to be like a total weirdo like us and watch it a million times <laughs> yeah. before it really sucks in. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we have a shared love for that. I, that movie is like very special to my heart. <laughs> All right. Hey, what's your most traumatic horror experience? Oh man. Uh, this is an easy one. It's definitely nightmare on Elm street Okay. Um, for two reasons. Uh, one is I was like, I was way too, my, my dad had this like, friend who would always come over and just give us these big boxes of VHS tapes or like bootlegs. I don't know why he would just be like, I got a bunch more tapes. I don't know. I don't have a place to keep them. And he just dropped them <laughs> off at our house. So we'd have these, like, like we weren't allowed, we were only allowed to watch certain things, but like mm-hmm. these boxes would just be sitting there. So as kids, we'd dig through them and just pull out like these like bootleg copies. And one night I remember we, we I, I'm from Maine. So I was like living, we were living in like a little tiny cabin in the woods at the time. And my dad was like, Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. This looks interesting. And he popped it in. And then he fell asleep on the floor. I was probably six or something, maybe seven, super young, super young. And I started watching Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was like, I'd never seen a horror movie before. I didn't even know what a horror movie was at the time. And so I'm watching this and it's like scaring the shit out of me, but I can't look away and it's pitch black. And my dad's sleeping, but he's like making me snore sounds like, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like freaked out. And so it like, it really traumatized me. But to t- on top of that, to make it extra dramatic, um, the movie ended, and then there was another movie after it, and it was a porno. Oh god! But it was like it was like a real weird. I don't know if it was like a, I don't know if it was like a like a full blown porn or like softcore. But I remember the scene opened, and uh, and it was like a crash spaceship, and there was a guy 
who's like who, like an alien who's fallen out of the spaceship and he has a, a penis for a nose. This oh, is true. No. Oh, my and a girl comes up to the wreckage in the night and she sees this alien and then she starts like going down on this penis. Oh. And then, Wait, on the nose penis though? On the nose penis. penis. The no, nose the nose penis. penis. Okay. The nose penis. And so my dad, like, he, he likes to joke that he's like, I woke up right during that scene and I looked over and he said, I was just like this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a one-two punch that, that yeah. night. Yeah, and that completely <laughs> formed what we have here. <laughs> and that's, and, and that's the mortuary collection was born. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank goodness for your, that bootleg dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know the name of that porn? I'm so curious now. I've looked it up. I can't, I can't I find it. it. I don't know. It was really mm -hmm. weird. It almost feels, it's like so long ago. It almost feels like a dream. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that about a lot of things, not porn. I wasn't watching a lot of porn when I was six. Right. Right. The right. right. <laughs> just the average. Just the average amount. <laughs> but like certain things I saw and it's like it aired one time and then you don't find it anywhere ever. And I was too young to remember the name. And then like it becomes to a point where it's like, well, did I, did I imagine that? Like, did I, I dream know. it? And then, like, thanks to Google, like, years later, I'll find it. I'm like, it's fucking real. Like, how is it so weird? Why is it real? Because this is a weird-ass thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you have did, Do you have one that you've never found? No. I think I'm most – I think the last one was, like, um, that I was like, this is too weird. I don't know what this is. And I finally found it. I think it was, like, the Huggies or the Huggles or something like that. These weird little puppets. Huggles, Huggles I think, is what it was called. That sounds weirdly familiar, but you I don't probably, know. If you saw an image of it, you would be like, those things, probably. <laughs> there, was a, there was a movie I used to rent a lot when I was a kid, and it had it was like pretty dark for a kid's movie. And basically, a dude in it, a, a guy and his son are sort of stop at a gas station in the woods somewhere, and the kid gets kidnapped. And they bring him to the top of this mountain, these two kidnappers, and then they realize that like they, they don't know what to do with him, so they throw him in a well to kill the kid. But he survives and the kid crawls out of the well and the entire movie is like him going down the mountain after these two kidnappers and learning survival skills at which to which he like basically home alones the guys but kills them. Oh but it's, it's like a it's like a PG movie. It's like a right. four kids movie. <laughs> and, and I can't find anything about it. I have I've Googled it a million times. I can't find anything. It's like doesn't exist. What if it doesn't exist and you're the guy that actually needs to make that movie? <laughs> then I think I got to make that movie. Yeah, I, think I mean so. that's true. You bring I, up a good point. I would watch it. I would especially watch that <laughs> in the '80s when I was like a child. I know. I'd be like, "Sign me up! That is weird and dark, and it sounds totally appropriate for my eight-year-old eyeballs. Let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There was a lot of weird shit for kids. I feel like at the time that we were growing up, and I feel like this. I mean, like this is why we grew up liking the stuff that we like now. There was it was there was a lot of like stuff with death with kids yes. and death. Mm -hmm. and sort of them dealing with that. And it's, I don't know. I was watching that documentary the other day on Shudder that's like the sort of scary stories to tell in the dark documentary. Um, and they were talking about how those books were sort of all about death and they were sort of like, they would kind of sort of give kids a way to start thinking and processing death at a young age. So it would not be such a like taboo, scary thing. And I do think that like, because things have become so protective now that like kids don't really have those outlets. There, there really aren't many there's not even like a, a goosebumps or like a I don't whatever uh, what are some of the other ones the um, scary stories are you afraid of the dark yeah, yeah 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 that stuff doesn't really exist anymore and it's kind of a bummer because I don't know like kids are more mature now at younger ages than they've ever right. been in the history of time <laughs> yes. but like still parents are trying to censor and like 
keep like hide these things from them that they're eventually going to sort of have to deal with in much more scary ways if they become adults. Right. I was actually really grateful for all of that dark shit that we grew up with because it was like a gateway to the dark stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So once you actually got there, it was like a, I've had little tastes of this kind of stuff. It's not completely foreign concept. Like, yeah, yeah. no, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm just like, hey, little nephew, here, watch all of this weird shit from the 80s that I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> watch this, watch this nose blow job movie and then get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I find that, shipping it right away. <laughs> um, okay, what's your favorite horror franchise? Um, this was a hard one for me, actually. Really? Okay. Because I started going through my list of my favorite films and almost none of them are franchises mm-hmm. or they're the first in a franchise, but I wasn't really jazzed on the sequels. Okay. So I'm going to have to say for like overall appreciation across the franchise, I'm going to have to go with the sort of the evil dead army of darkness. Okay. Franchise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed with the boomstick and such. <laughs> I know. Oh man. I just gave it away. You threw me for a <laughs> loop there, man. <laughs> what, what is yours though? I, I I'm curious. I, it, it's, I was surprised at how tricky this one was. My favorite franchise? I vacillate between them, but I think I might say Scream only because it was super mm-hmm. influential to me. Like the mm-hmm. time that it came out and I went to see it and I wasn't supposed to see it. Like my like mm-hmm. best friend's brother bought us the tickets and I told my parents I was going to go see Beverly Hills Ninja. So it was like this. It was like, <laughs> it was like an event for me, you know, yeah. like a very big thing. Like I'm like, oh, sneaking a movie in a theater and it's R and it's like slasher. And then it plays on all these tropes that I wasn't even familiar with at that time of how clever that was because I didn't, right. I wasn't ingesting all that other stuff leading up to it. Right. So then I think that for me was kind of a gateway. And Sydney is just so cool. Like I just love, she's still in my yeah. tops as favorite final girls. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was a formative one. So I might go with Sydney. Yeah. I, I think I had the same experience with the first one. I think what happened for me though, cause I know that people, a lot of people really love, the sequels to that or some of the sequels or i know that there's sort of some arguments that happen on twitter about it but i think what happened to me is i saw the first one i loved it then i quickly became disenchantized with the sort of uh, that like late 90s the like art the uh, note you did last summer and that sort of style and so i just kind of wrote off all the others i, I think i saw some of them maybe yeah. but i never really like gave them a chance right I think it helped that I saw them as they were coming out and I didn't have Mm. a ton of other stuff. Like I grew up on universal monster movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. I wasn't watching slashers and things like that until I was a bit older. Mm -hmm. So I saw Mm -hmm. them when they came out and I wasn't, I didn't have anything else to feel like disenchanted with it. You know, to me, I was like, wow, like mind blowing. What is this? That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Rewatch them and see how you feel about it. Okay. All right. Is there any horror film that you would like to see rebooted or remade? Um, I have one that I would like to remake. Okay. Um, have you ever seen Burnt Offerings? Oh, my God. I think when I was, like, quite small. Not in any recent years, and I don't remember very much about it, except for, like, this feeling of dread. <laughs> yes. It's it's so good with that. I That one would be, like, a close second to, like, most traumatic horror film. Okay. I also saw it when I was really young, and it was one of those movies that, like, I fell asleep watching TV and I woke up and it was on like Showtime at like mm-hmm. two in the morning. And it has a very bleak, you know, it's a fa- it's a classic family goes to a haunted house set up. In this old house, up this staircase, behind this locked door, something lives, something strange, something powerful, something evil. Stay away from the door! It will possess this woman 
It will destroy this man. It will terrify this child. And no one can stop it. Burnt offering. But how the house functions and, and why the house does what it does and where it goes is like so creepy and unsettling to me. And I'm, I've kind of become obsessed with it. Like recently I've like watched it a couple of times. I, I, I read the novel for the first time. And it's just like such a cool, interesting take on a, on a haunted house movie that I feel like is criminally underseen. Mm, okay, I need to give that one a rewatch, and then I'll it's watch cool. your version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, burnt offers. I feel like my mom is a really big fan of that one. Like she's not into horror, but that one really like. I think that one stuck with her, and I think that's why I like. I don't remember the premise entirely, but I like uh-huh. have a feeling attached to it. Like when you say that, I have like such like a visceral feeling attached to burnt offerings. <laughs> I mean, that's what it does. And I think I think it did sort of step outside of the genre boundaries by having mm-hmm. this amazing cast of actors that were sort of huge. It was almost like getting like the most amazing all-star cast of like 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 the Brad Pitts and the the highest the highest sort of echelon actors and then putting them in a haunted house movie yeah. at the time. Um, and it does have like a you know the the general premise is like a family uh, they rent this like lavish estate for like the summer. And it's like run down and beat up and it's sort of this like sprawling mansion. And as the summer goes on, every time somebody gets injured, the house like gets a little bit nicer. Mm, And so the house itself is kind of repairing itself. And it's, it's very cool. I remember, I think I would watch it like on like afternoon, like on Saturday afternoons, you know, they would like play on TV, like horror films and stuff. So I think that's when I saw it probably a couple of times eating lunch and like shitting in my pants. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like the house is killing people off. Okay. I do remember what it was now. (laughs) The forebearer to Monster House. Yes. I blocked it out and it's now all coming back. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know Burnt Offering? Is it just like a faraway look in my eye? I'm like, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> oh god yeah i remember now you're just like staring out the window for four minutes i'm like <laughs> so it took my therapist years to erase that now it's all back <laughs> uh is there any horror film you think should be off limits to reboots and remakes i so this i had the most trouble with this one basically because i feel like everything mm-hmm. that i could think of has already been remade i can think of a lot that shouldn't have been remade at all <laughs> um but i i I'm just such a sucker. I like original movies so much. I mean, there are remakes that I really love, mm-hmm. but even like, like I, I'm sort of, I know this is kind of a, a hot button area, but I'm a big fan of the Marcus Nispel remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And um, I loved the original. And so I put off seeing that forever. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is pretty freaking cool. Um, but like before, prior to seeing that, I would have said, don't ever remake this movie. Right. Um, or like the first thing that popped into my mind, because one of my other favorite horror movies is Poltergeist. And so the first thing that popped into my mind is like, don't ever remake Poltergeist. And I was like, oh yeah, they did remake Poltergeist. Wait, they remade Poltergeist? Yes. When? Like a couple of years ago. Really? Not long ago. I yeah, Sa- definitely Sam Rockwell. Sam oh, Rockwell is the dad. Yeah, it's crazy. I love Sam Rockwell, but I didn't know I do too. that they remade it. I, don't, I'm, I would be apprehensive to watch it, but maybe I'll give it a go. It, it it's interesting because the guy who directed it is also the director who did Monster House, which is oh, okay. really one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Um, it, it's a, it's a tough one. I don't know. It's I don't know how you could ever remake that movie and not compare it to the original, which I just think is so amazing. So right. I don't know. I don't think I gave you a good answer, but what, can you tell me what yours is? <laughs> it works. See, I was kind of an asshole about remakes, and I feel like I've I've softened to it now. 
but mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. it's such a toss-up because I could throw out titles where I'm like, don't ever fucking touch this one, don't touch this one. And then there are remakes that have come out, and I'm like, actually, that's pretty good. Like, I really yeah. enjoyed it. And then there were other ones that came out where I'm like, ugh, not yeah. so much. So it's like there's so many factors that it depends on that I, I don't. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was kind of an ass about it before, and I was like, ew, remakes, gross. But yeah. now I'm like, okay. like, And I read this article the other day. Um, this girl, Gory Corey, so cool. She's like a teenager who just loves horror and like mm-hmm. is just such a badass. I'm like, I wish I was as cool as you when I was a teenager or even now like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but she wrote this article about how modern day horror is not being made for like present day teens it's all stuff that caters to us basically like that's right you grew up on this and it banks on the nostalgia and it like hits all of those buttons like just trying right. so hard to like it's like that's all they're delivering right. nostalgia a lot of the times and it's like okay but it's like it needs more than that to be a great movie and it does I I think you can you can start with that. Mm-hmm. You can you can start playing with the things that you love. You can start leaning into sort of the ideas and the stuff that sort of gets you excited. But you have to you have to go further. Yes. And I, I and I know that was a huge thing with the Mortuary Collection. And you know whether we succeeded or failed, I think is is up to the audience. But I remember we set you know we set out. And I was like, okay, Montgomery Dark. What kind of character is he going to be? Okay. All right. He is a he's the crypt keeper. He's the Angus Grimm. He's the he's the narrator of the movie. He's big, he's creepy, he lives in the creepy house in the hill. Great. Hits all my button, all my love buttons, right? And then I'm like, okay, now that we've done that, now that I'm working with Clancy Brown, why is that an interesting character? Like what what's what's interesting about the Crypt Keeper? Well, I, I think, you know, when the every episode of Tales from the Crypt, the Crypt Keeper, we you know, go into the mansion, he tells us a story, but like what is he doing when he's not telling stories? Is he forced to tell stories? What is his downtime like in between? Is he sad? Is he lonely? Does he have regrets? Does he have ambitions? And it was that sort of thought process that really sort of started, you know, creating the whole story. And, and actually the whole wraparound of the Mortuary Collection started to evolve and change based on that idea. Like what what makes a person be the person that has to sort of be the bookends in an anthology film. Nice. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Mortuary Collection is something that does that really well. Like I said, it's like, I feel like it, it does it a disservice to say like, oh, it's kind of like reminiscent of like the old EC comics and things like that. Because you hear that and you get a certain thing in your head, but I'm like, it, it's right. so much more than that though. And Thank there are you. things that do that really well and you guys fucking nailed it. Like Stranger Things I think does that well is like, like it's like, okay, cool, 80s nostalgia and stuff. But there are like kids now that like, ate it up because it's so well done like they started with that kernel of like a what do we love this 80s nostalgia stuff but then they just like blew that out of the water and it appeals to us on a nostalgia basis and because it's cool and and right new audiences too right it opens it up you don't have to know about Dungeons and dragons or pac-man to appreciate the characters in the story yeah that's so important and now kids are like, oh, buy it. Like, I saw, I think Dungeons & Dragons was being sold at, like, Hot Topic or something. And I was like, what is this yeah. world right now? This <laughs> makes is sense. wild. That makes sense. Like, there are kids that are now playing Dungeons & Dragons and they picked it up at Hot Topic. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, the nostalgia the nostalgia from the 80s will be the nostalgia again in 20 years. It'll yes. just keep coming back to the same decade again and again. Yeah, pretty much. I think so. <laughs> um, and my last question for you. No, mm-hmm. just kidding. Not last question. Two more questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You're the final girl in a horror film. Uh-huh. What song do you want to be your kill song while you're doing your like badass montage? I mean, this is going to be a long montage. Oh, um, okay. Just FYI. Okay. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Whitney Houston's "I Will Always Love You." 
I'm going to go against expectation. It's going to be a lot of slow motion. It's going to be, and when she like crescendos, it's going to like be big. I'm just picturing this like graceful as shit, like kind of like these like ballet yeah. moves as you bring like your machete down and like uh, do a pirouette yeah. and like, yes, it's going to be glorious. Yeah. And there's going to be, the, there's like a lull in the song and that's where it's going to be like an almost defeat. And then when she like, it's going to like, Machete through the head. It's gonna be <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I love that song very much, and I, I would love to see a kill scene set to it now. <laughs> cool. It's gonna be. It's gonna be the climax for the new Burnt Offerings remake. Excellent. All right. Uh, you guys got to raise a shit ton of money on that one because I think the rights to the song. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. That's Just true. Put, where did all, where did all that budget money go? Oh, there it is. There's the Whitney, the Whitney Houston, Houston song. song. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me. Just stick it out to the end of the movie. You'll see where the money. Goes. Trust me on this. The rest is on the iPhone, but it's gonna get. <laughs> yeah. big. It's a beautiful, beautiful finale scene, and the rest is just cut together <laughs> shittily on like clearly shot on phones. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. I'm not knocking it. <laughs> no, seriously, me too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now this is my last question for you. Okay. Why horror? I, this is this is like a deep cut, I think, for all of us, all of us horror horror nerds out there. Um, I think I sort of have two answers. The first is just creatively, uh, as a filmmaker, um, I think it's the genre that allows you the most latitude to play. It allows you. It's like if you're you know if you're making a sort of quiet drama, a character driven drama, like you're very restricted. And you gotta be very restrained at what you can do because you will pull people out of the story. But within the horror sort of realm, the, the weirder, the crazier you get, the more the fans love it. Right. It's like expected to sort of go above and beyond. And I think as an artist and as a person who, ever since I was a little kid, I, you know, I wanted to be a cartoonist for most of my life. I love to draw, I love to paint, I love to build things. I love, you know, I was a photographer for a while. I, I sort of love all of the sort of, uh, tactile mediums mm -hmm. and it sort of allows me to bring all of that together and sort of like I, I can do sculpture I can build monsters I can build sets I can sort of paint things I can draw illustrations in the books um, and that kind of stuff really appeals to me as a creative so I, I think uh, just as, as far as what you were talking about earlier just world building mm -hmm. and the design and all of that I, I just love that stuff um, and then uh, as, a, as a fan I think it's it it comes down to I mean a little bit what we were talking about earlier and I think I guess this is a boring answer for people who have asked this question a lot and maybe less boring for people who haven't thought about it. But I, I do feel like horror is this important release for people. It's, it's a sort of a, a way to sort of, if, if all of us are balloons and we're blowing up with this, like this, these pressures of life and these scary things that are happening all around us, especially now, horror is this like safe controlled release that allows you to sort of not explode. And I think, I think it, it kind of comes back to actually how, how this movie came to be, which is I remember like, I wasn't a big horror fan for a really long time, but I do remember I would watch Creep Show, mm -hmm. and I would watch it again and again, and it would always fool me into thinking it was a kids' movie because it started off with animation, right. it started off with this with this whimsy and this sort of this cartoonishness, and so it would sort of like ease me into the world, and then next thing you know, like I'm in the middle of this movie, and there's very adult, very scary things happening, but I've kind of like I've been eased into it, so so I'm okay with it. Yeah. And so I kind of realized that, that I sort of did that with the Mortuary Collection without really thinking about it. And that I sort of, the movie opens with this sort of, with the fantasy and the whimsy and the fun. And um, I don't know if it's a cartoon 
particularly, but it definitely has Haunted Mansion vibes, Disney's Haunted Mansion vibes, not the movie, the, the, the <laughs> ride. Um, and, and the movie itself sort of, as the sort of stories sort of progress, the, the tone progresses and it gets a little bit darker and it gets a little bit less sort of black and white, a little bit more gray as it sort of proceeds. Um, and I sort of realized after the fact that I was trying to kind of create that sort of ease, easing in, you know, not necessarily for the hardcore fans, but for the people who, who might not usually like horror, but like might want to sort of dip their toe in and check it out. And I mean, if I could, if this movie could even do that for one person and allow them to sort of be able to sort of kind of get into horror and use horror as a way to process the world around them, I think that would be uh, more than I, than I would have ever expected to pull off in my career. So those are the lofty ideas behind it. <laughs> yes. um, but, but I do think, I do think it's such an important, um, such an important thing. And I, I think like horror is exploding right now as the world around us is sort of exploding and you can see the correlation between the two. And I think it's, um, you know, I think Stephen King or somebody was saying like, I'm not scared of the, of the horror fan who like, you know, stays up all night to get tickets to the horror movie. I'm scared of the person who like refuses to watch any horror movie because they're the, they're the ones that are like most likely to explode. Right. <laughs> you feel me. I feel that. That was beautiful, actually. I really, that was not a boring answer. Okay. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. But you definitely did kind of ease into it. Like when I'm thinking about the tone throughout the movie. Um, the first time I watched it, it opens on a kid, and you're mm-hmm. like riding, right, like riding bikes, and you see like a close up of his like little hand gripping the handlebar, mm-hmm. and it like was very reminiscent of like Goonies or something, you know? Right. And it, it, right. it looks like Astoria, where he's riding through, and then he gets to the house, and he's got his little camera, and then like the stories get progressively like, oh shit, like a little more gory and a little more violent and a little more intense, and like just gets darker and darker and darker until like the ultimate darkness at the end of like where you're like, holy right. shit. <laughs> right. And I, I, I think like, I re- I wrote it that way. And I remember we were editing it and we were, we show, were sort of showing our rough cuts to some people. And, you know, one of the notes that we sort of got was like, uh, you know, it's just weird because it's like a fun kids movie at first. And then it becomes like really dark. And that threw me like that kind of threw me. And so we were like, oh man, that's a problem. And we were like in the editing room and we were talking about it. And we we're like, oh, how can we make it darker up front? Like maybe we ADR like the F word and one of these kids is they're sort of doing conversations. So we are like trying to figure out how to make it dark. And then I just had this like moment when I was like, just, I always have these moments in the middle of the night for some reason when I like can't sleep. And I was like, no, I, I did that intentionally. Like I want it, I want to ease people into it. I wanted to try to play. And again, I don't know if, you know, succeed or fail. I guess it depends on the person, but I wanted it to sort of, usher you in with the familiar and kind of like have the tone of the whole piece sort of evolve as the movie evolves, mm-hmm. um, which I know is like lofty and, and probably too much to sort of attempt to do in such a small movie. But, um, but I like the challenge of it. And, and you know, w- if it doesn't work this time, maybe I can make it work next time. It's, it's sort of like the constantly evolving craft of it all. Now I said craft. It works. craft i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take all of the sound bites that you're like cringing at and just gonna like loop them loop them loop them (laughs) protect this director just goes on and on about his art the craft the craft the craft (laughs) speaking of the craft did you see the new trailer i did are you excited about it or not excited about it it looked better than i expected yes okay it looked better than i expected i'm kind of into it this goes back to what I was talking to or talking about earlier as far as like I, this is one of those cases where 
they announced it and I felt like, okay, it's made for us. Like people that grew mm -hmm. up on it. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, this isn't made for us. This is made for new horror fans. And that makes me so excited because maybe there's going to be like teenage girls who feel the way about this, the way that I felt about seeing that when I was like, however old when I finally, like I used to try watching it like scrambled on pay-per-view because I wasn't uh -huh. allowed to watch it. And it was like such this like magical, mystical thing. Like, oh my God, the craft. And my parents like didn't really know what it was about. They were just like, uh, witchcraft and it's our, like, no, it's not for you. Uh -huh. So that uh -huh. made even more like, I'm like, everything in me is like dying to see this movie. So when I finally saw, and they're just like these badass girls doing all this stuff. So I'm like, I hope they just like kicked ass with it and that it, it resonates that way with like, current teens me too me too i mean i look trailers are are tricky they're they're the people who make trailers are amazing <laughs> and so who knows but it feels like it came from the right place it feels right. like it's hearts in the right place it yes. feels like it's doing something different with it the cast looks awesome like i i don't know i'm excited about it the casting i was super excited for like the last i heard of it they were like doing the casting and i was super like so excited about what like the way that they're going about it and who they cast mm -hmm. I'm like this is gonna be cool and then i heard nothing and then mm -hmm. I heard like, oh, it's getting released in like two weeks. And I was like, wait, what? Like, and so mm -hmm. then I was like a little bit apprehensive and I was like, what mm -hmm. happened with this movie? And then I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, okay. That's, I feel good about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. There's, there's all these, so many cool, cool horror movie trailers coming out right now. It's like, I kind of forget, like you, I sort of forgot it's October. I can't believe it's October. Right. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Are you from Los Angeles? Uh, I grew up in Palm Springs, so not too far. Like, oh, oh, so you, okay. Not so, from so LA you by any means, but a couple hours. No, away. <laughs> no, but but your Halloweens have always been hot, basically. Oh yes, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Not as hot as it is right now. I feel like when I was a kid, it still cooled off. Like we didn't have like autumn yeah. leaves and cool stuff like that. But which I've always yeah. just like lusted after because that's what you see in movies. So to me, yeah. I'm like anything that looks like a movie has just always been like wow, like you know. <laughs> it's you know I can say I grew up in this tiny town in Maine um, near Canada on the ocean. And um, we got that leaf thing, um, but the leaves alone would not make it worth living in this town. It was a rough, <laughs> it was a rough place to live. Okay. Um, then again, I guess I make horror movies now, and I, and I owe so much of it to being from this like Stephen King sort of burg in yes. the middle of nowhere. So <laughs> maybe there's something to it. I'm not sure. There's absolutely something to it, I'm sure. <laughs> all the weird shit that like wherever we grew up, wherever we came from, like all of that's formative stuff that lends itself to the kind of horror that you write when you grow up, so. It's true. No, that's true. Do you write horror as well? Are you a writer? I do, yes, yeah. Cool. Do you write Palm Springs-based horror? It's all Palm Springs-based. <laughs> and then the palm trees came to life and stopped me down as I swam through the pool. <laughs> I looked the out the window and The vortex to said, hell. Yeah. The vortex <laughs> to hell swirled above the Ace Hotel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I looked at the thermometer and it said 120 degrees. Ah! <laughs> I had this like image for some reason the other day of the movie theaters of the future in which everybody has like a face mask <laughs> that like hooks to a tube and you just like breathe like recycle like so clean air. But then I was like imagining the ushers who had to clean the face masks. Oh, God. I was oh, like, wait. well, that sucks. Wait, hold on. The face masks are just in the theater and we are all using the same ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like I'm a, out. yeah, it's I'm like out. A... <laughs> Well, you can bring your own if you want. I mean, it's like a, it's a free okay. country. Well, okay. it, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> I bring my own face mask and it has its own tube attached to it. But not only am I getting fresh air through that, I can also put my snacks in the tube. 
So the face mask never gets removed. Yeah, it's just like this little vacuum and I can eat my snacks and breathe air through all the same yeah. process. Yes. That's great. That's a great idea. Okay, I will attend that movie theater for sure. <laughs> I mean, popcorn would be easier to eat too because you just do like, you kind of feed them in and they just yeah. shoot and up in. Yeah, I do so much at one time, which is like the best way to eat popcorn is just I'm just going to be sitting at home, actually. That's how yeah. I'm going to spend my weekend is trying to make a popcorn vacuum. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that'd be awesome. I'm I'd buy that. sell the shit out of that thing, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> telling you. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, that is all I have for you. Do you have anything else? No. This was really fun. Thank you so much yeah, for making me you. put on this costume. Yeah. It's really I refuse. People are like, Halloween is canceled. And I'm like, you shut your dirty fucking whore mouth right now. That's not a possibility. I'm saying. I'm saying. I was shooting last last year. I I got, I flew up to Vancouver to, for a shoot on the 30th. And so I was like in prep all day on Halloween. And it was so oh, sad. No. So I, I like missed an entire Halloween. I was like, don't worry. Next year, Halloween will be great. Oh, man. Well... <laughs> Do with it what you can, you know? It's like, you can still make the most of it. Is it ideal? No. Are there a lot of no. things we can still do? Yes. 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 <laughs> Put on your costumes and jump on Zoom calls. Like, come on. Totally. Totally. <laughs> All right. Mortuary Collection, October 15th on Shudder. Watch that shit. Okay. I've been, like, plugging this like crazy, and I'm like, I am in no way affiliated with this movie. I just really love it, and I think you guys thank, will, too. Thank you so much. We, I mean, we, we need it. We have, we have a... Uh, we had all this whole like exotic, exciting festival sort of run set up and it um, it all crashed down around us. And so oh, now we're just sort of struggling. Someone's like, oh, hire a publicist. It's cool. It's only like 10 grand. I'm like, yeah, I definitely don't have 10 grand for a publicist. I'm still broke from the movie. First so of all, you're... who throws sentences around like it's only 10 grand? I know. <laughs> I know. I got to stop hanging out with Paris Hilton. But, you know, yeah, I, I love know. her. Oh, God. You I know, love her. Who doesn't? You know what I mean? <laughs> House of awesome. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. It was amazing to have you. Happy Halloween. Absolutely. Have fun All with the movie. Right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you don't know what my costume is from, go and watch the Mortuary Collection. Come back and watch this clip. Ready? Three, two, one. Where's the boy? And if you still don't know what it is, um, then I apologize for my subpar acting skills and my subpar costuming. I poured this blood on my face, got a lot of it into my eye, which hurt like hell, but was kind of cool for a second because it like tinted my eye a little bit red. Um, it didn't last though, so the pain was not really worth the momentary effect. I was actually afraid I was gonna have to postpone my interview or just like do it like this while I'm just like dying inside and crying because it was burning really badly, but it worked out okay. Huge thank you once again to Ryan for joining us today and attending our virtual Halloween party. Make sure you check out the Mortuary Collection on Shudder. Seriously, seriously, seriously cannot sing enough praises for this. I love this movie, the spirit of it. It's just, it's a shit ton of fun and I really think you guys are gonna love it. All right, that's all I got. As always, thank you for listening. If you are so inclined, please rate, comment, subscribe, uh, and I'll see you next week for some more spooky shit. Also, yes, I am a thirsty bee, and I love my cup. Look at Sam is so cute. Oh, I love you. Trick or treat. <laughs>